One of the car- cartoonists who retired far too early was Gary Larson. <laughs> this is one of my favorite cartoons from him. There, there's a fella pushing on the door that says, Pull, and it's the Midvale School for the Gifted. Boy, I do that all the time. I go to go in a store and I give that thing a big push, you know, and the sign right there, right by my hand says, Pull. When I was in school... As a young person, the idea of having special classes for students who were especially bright or gifted, as we say now, hadn't been created, closest thing we came to that was occasionally there was an opportunity to take a more challenging class if you qualified. So in junior high, in seventh grade, I think it was the end of seventh grade, everybody who wanted to, or I don't know if everybody had to take it, but we took a test, and and those who did well enough, got to take algebra in 8th grade instead of 8th grade math. And I thought, oh man, I want to take algebra, you know, I... I want to be gifted, you know, (laughs) I didn't even know the word back then, but... but, uh, I took the test, and in the words of Agent 86, Maxwell Smart, I missed it by that much. (laughs) I really wanted to be in that gifted class, but I wasn't smart enough. Friends, spiritually speaking, I want you to know today that you are all in the gifted class. And that's just not Pastor Dave trying to pump you up a little bit before you go out. If I was doing that, I would have done it before the offering. (laughs) God tells us that he has given us spiritual gifts special enablings with which we can serve him. And we want to think on that for the next few weeks, starting here today in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Please follow as I read the first 13 verses. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. You know that you were Gentiles, carried away with to these dumb idols, however you were led. Therefore, I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed. And no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. There are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are diversities of ministries, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of activities, but it is the same God who works all in all. But... The manifestation of the Spirit is given to each individual for the profit of all. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit, to another faith by the Spirit, to another gifts of healings by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. But one and the same Spirit works all these things distributing to each one individually as he wills. For the body is one and has many members, but all the members of that one body, being many, are one body. So also is Christ. For by one Spirit were we all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and we have all been made to drink into one Spirit." Spiritual gifts, if you are, uh, depending on what translation of the Bible you have, you, you may realize that at the very first verse, 
The word gift isn't used here. The word spirituals is used. And then down in verse 4, the word gift is used. And verse 7, the manifestation of the Spirit. And so we understand that the topic of this text is spiritual gifts. I want to give you a definition of a spiritual gift. And I want to tell you that I'm not going to tell you everything today that there is to be told. Okay, So you're probably going to leave here today with some questions. And frankly, I'm, I'm excited about that because maybe you'll think of this week. But we're going to start with this definition. Now, if we were really being intellectually honest in our Bible study, we'd study all of the relevant scripture, and at the end of it, we would put together a summary definition. Now, I'm not going to do that because some of you maybe haven't studied this in the past, and I don't want you to be wondering till the end what this is exactly about. So I'm going to be real plain right up front and say, here's what a spiritual gift is. A spiritual gift is a supernatural ability given by God to the Christian to accomplish God's work in and through the body of Christ. Now, when I use the word supernatural there, especially if you're new in church today, don't worry. I'm not going to fly. I'm not even going to jump down and show you that I can't fly because I got bad knees. And uh, I wouldn't enjoy that and you wouldn't either. But I'm convinced that we haven't taken seriously enough the supernatural nature of what God is planning to do and does do in and through Christians. I think that maybe we've relegated Christian ministry to an area of human effort and endeavor and not realized that what God says in this passage here and in several others that we'll look at is, look, when you accepted Christ as your Savior, I put something in you that is powerful to do my work. We'll look at this more in detail in the weeks to come, but it's not, we're not talking about natural abilities. We have a whole platform full of people with wonderful natural abilities. Those are not spiritual gifts. They are gifts from God. But they are not the spiritual gifts that come at salvation. A spiritual gift is a special supernatural ability given by God to the Christian to accomplish his work in and through the body of Christ. Now, what we need to understand, because we want to work through this passage in the order in which it was given, that there's an important statement given in the first few verses here. And that statement is this, spiritual gifts only accomplish God's will. You see, in this church at Corinth, they were having a problem with people saying and doing all kinds of weird things. And And the Apostle Paul said, now look, you folks have got this spiritual gift thing messed up. Yes, God gives us special abilities, but it's not just so you can do any old thing and then say, oh, it's from God. He says the spiritual gifts that come from God will never, never go against God or against Jesus Christ. Verse 3 says, no one who works by the Spirit of God can call Jesus accursed. That's 180 degrees from what God is trying to do in and through spiritual gifts. So Paul says, look, these are gifts to accomplish God's work only. Number two, spiritual gifts are from a unified trinity to a singular 
body. Would you look with me at verses 4 through 7 and notice which persons of the Godhead are mentioned. There are diversities of gifts, but the same spirit. There are difference of ministries, but the same Lord. There are diversities of activities, but it is the same God who works all in all. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are all mentioned in connection. And these three statements are not three different statements. They are three statements of the same truth from different perspectives. There is a diversity of gifts. Not every Christian gets the same gift. But there is only one spirit working through them. There are diversities of activities done with the gifts, but there is the same Lord working. And there are, diversity, there are diversities of ministries and diversities of activities, but the same God at work. Now, this is a huge, huge problem that the Corinthian church had because they were dividing up into groups. I, I'm a follower of of the Apostle Paul. I'm a follower of Apollos. I'm a follower of this pastor or that guy. And as such, their division was getting so bad that when they would have a potluck dinner, some people who were poor would stand over to the side and be hungry and not get any food, and some people would sit over here and get so full it was like Thanksgiving Day, and they didn't care for one another. They were not unified as a body of believers. This is an overarching theme of this passage. In fact, if I was to say, why did, the, did God inspire the Apostle Paul to put this passage in this book of the Bible? It was because these people were not working together. It's absolutely vital that we receive all of this teaching with a heart for the body of Christ. Spiritual gifts are not about you as an individual Christian. They are about you as part of us doing God's work. Verse 7 says, look, the gifts are given to each one for the profit of, of the whole. And so as such, we need to be completely at God's disposal. In other words, when we come and say, well, I, I want to serve the Lord, then we should come with open hands saying, God, what do you want me to do? There was a lot of that last night. People came that weren't necessarily expected to come and serve, and so there was lots of helpers, and they said, what can I do? Well, you can go do this, you can go do that. That's a lot different from a person who comes up and says, I'd like to be in charge now. Really? <laughs> The people in charge would love to give it over to you. Go right ahead. <laughs> They'll go and sit down. No. You see, sometimes we want to tell God and the body of Christ exactly how we will serve. And that was the problem in Corinth. Everybody had a certain idea about what they were going to do. They weren't saying, I'm here to do God's work however God wants to use me. The other day I went to the hospital to visit Hugh Pottle. He had knee surgery this week. And I came to the front door, as I have many times, and there were ropes and signs that funneled me down to a pinch point. And right at the pinch point was a jar of hand sanitizer and some towels to wipe your hands with. And when I walked past that to the little desk where I asked where, what room is Hugh Pottle in, the person sitting there said, did you wash your hands? 
They're very serious down there at the hospital about doing everything they can to keep the swine flu out, and we're thankful that they are. The Corinthian church needed a station by the door with a sanitizer that said, Pride Killer. And they needed somebody standing there saying, Did you kill your pride when you walked in the door? We all see this regularly in sports teams. So-and-so is the greatest quarterback, pitcher, goal shooter, whatever, in the history of the world. And he's a prima donna, and everything revolves around him. And the team doesn't do that well, because it has to be a, what? Team effort. That's what this passage, that's the big theme in this passage. All of the details that we're going to look like, look at, exist in that framework. And if we really want to get it when it comes to spiritual gifts, then we have to approach this saying, God, I'm on your team. Whatever you want me to do, that's what I'm going to do. Spiritual gifts are from a unified trinity to a singular body. Number three, spiritual gifts are given by God to every believer. Look at verse 7. The manifestation, the word manifestation means something that's made plain, something that's made visible. The manifestation of the Spirit is given to how many? Each one or everyone. To each one for the profit of all. That's why I said, you're all in the gifted class. And that's what I really want you to get today. You are all gifted by God. Look at verse 11. But, to, but one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as He wills. For as the body, verse 12, is one and has many members, but all the members of that one body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. For by one Spirit were we all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, we've all been made to drink into one Spirit. When you accepted Christ as your Savior, God did many things in you, and many of them you weren't even aware of. The one you were aware of was, my burden is lighter. <laughs> and and if, if not at that moment, in a very short time, you began to have confidence that you were going to heaven. I'm going to heaven someday. I'm on my way to heaven. And when you prayed, you, you, you sensed a connection with God. And so those are some of the common blessings that we understand. But one you didn't know was this. God gave you that supernatural ability to serve him, that spiritual gift. If you were a little kid, when you accepted Christ, God put that spiritual gift in you. If you were, if you were a, a young adult or if you were an older adult, it doesn't matter. God put a spiritual gift within you. By one spirit, we have been all baptized into one body. It is a universal truth that every Christian becomes part of the body of Christ and is gifted to do the part. Great illustration that God is using throughout this is Christ is the head and we are the body. We are the body of Christ. It, 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 if Christ was actually making a human body like he did with Adam and Eve, he'd say, take a little bit of this and he'd stick it in there and he goes, that, that's a kidney. Boom. That's a pancreas, that's a heart, that's an eyeball. 
God didn't take stuff and stick it onto Adam and say, well, there's a wad of flesh. It all had a purpose. And every single Christian has a purpose in the body of Christ. We're all gifted by him to do his work. That's why he says this in Ephesians 4, but speaking the truth in love, this is talking about the church, as we speak the truth in love, we, the body of Christ, grows up in all things into him who is the head Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by what every ligament literally supplies, according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes the growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. My daughter, Molly, is following in her dad's footsteps. She had shoulder surgery a couple of weeks ago. She had two tears up here. (laughs) If you have a tendon that is torn, you're bum up. You feel it. One tendon, one ligament, and you've got pain. You've got uh, weakness. And something has to change. Either you have to stop using it and let it heal or get surgical, whatever, One ligament makes a difference. And that actually is the word for joint there. It's actually the word that we get ligament from. You're all ligaments in the body of Christ. And and surely, this passage goes on to talk about, say, you know, some of us are... Some of us have have a, a, a greater part in terms of, say, visibility or whatever, but we're all gifted. We're all part of the body of Christ. Would you turn to the person next to you and say, you're gifted? Do it. Turn the other way and tell them they're gifted too. And I know that's kind of silly, but I want that to sink in today. I mean that. I want you to go out of here today saying, God has given me a supernatural ability to serve him. What an incredible thing. And here's the coolest part. Spiritual gifts are empowered by God. Look at verse 11. But one and the same Spirit works, or literally energizes, all of these things. It's the word that we get our word energy. Energos is the Greek word. One Spirit energizes all these things. God doesn't give you a tool, like a screwdriver that you carry around with you, and every once in a while you pull it out and tighten up a little screw. Oh, there's my tool, there's my gift from God. No, he's put something within you, and and he empowers it and makes it work. In some of the study that I've been doing on this, and hearing from, from other godly men, you know what they're saying? If you're living for the Lord, you can't keep it from happening. And as I've started to look at our congregation and look at what we're doing, I'm starting to believe that. That there are that God is just empowering things and making things happen. And 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 we just think we're just living for the Lord, but we don't realize God has given different people different abilities, and when they all come together, great stuff happens like last night. Great stuff happens like like missionaries going around the world. Great stuff happens like our Awana Club or whatever else we're doing here. 
God says that we are supernaturally energized to do His work. Now, I want to spend the last part of our time today talking about what gifts are at work today. And before I say that, obviously when we read this passage, those of you who have been in church for any length of time, look at verse uh, 8 and the verses that follow and say, Pastor Dave, you don't believe God has still given us prophecy today, do you? No, I do not. Has God given us wisdom directly from the Spirit outside of the Bible? No. Has He given us a word of knowledge? I don't believe He is. Has He given us some kind of supernatural faith other than through the Scripture? I don't believe He is. Are there people who can go around and touch folks and heal them? I don't believe there are. Are there people who can do miracles? I wish there were because at 7 o'clock last night, when we were done with that activity, I wish somebody could have went, Be clean, parking lot. <laughs> but if any of you has that gift, you weren't here. Your ligament was absent from the body. Now, we laugh about that, but frankly, there is nobody doing miracles today at all that qualify by God's standard. There is nobody turning the water into wine. There is nobody touching folks, and they get up. One of the saddest things I ever saw was right here at Ferndale High School about 27 years ago. There was a faith healer. Boy, it was all over the papers. This big faith healer had been all over the world. He's going to be right here in Ferndale. And I thought, I've never seen a faith healer. I'm going to go. So I took my son, he was about three years old, and we sat in the back row and watched the show. And, and uh, they sang for an hour, and then for an hour the guy got up and basically preached this message, everywhere I go, people get healed, and it's going to happen here too. I thought, well, that's right out of the Bible. And, uh, and then for an hour, they healed. People went down. I saw a fella in a wheelchair wheeled down the aisle, and it looked to me from a distance that that fellow had had cancer and been through that uh, terrible treatment system, and they wheeled him down, and they wheeled him out, and he didn't look one lick different to me. Okay. Do I wish there was somebody with the gift of healing today? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Can I get a witness here? <laughs> <laughs> now, why do I believe that? Why do I believe that God is not doing the supernatural, miraculous, visibly miraculous kind of ministry today? It's quite simple. How shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation, which by the first, at the first, began at the beginning of this great salvation, the New Testament era, the church era in which we live? At the first, it began to be spoken by the Lord, Jesus Christ himself. And it was confirmed to us by those who heard him. God also bearing witness, both with signs and wonders and various miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit. The point of this passage is, look, are you going to ignore salvation, which Jesus himself 
said the words, and then he did miracles, and then his followers did miracles in that first hundred years of the church when God's word was still being put on paper. God said, look, I'm going to send my truth right through men who are going to stand up in the church and say, God says... And people are going to stand up and speak in a tongue they've never spoken of. And it's going to be God's truth being given today for the church. And somebody else will stand up and say, here's what God says today to the church. And God did that because, number one, there wasn't the written word of God. It was being written. And number two, he did it to confirm this is the real deal. But once the word got written, and once the faith got confirmed... God says, no more miracles. History proves that as well. The foundation was laid by Christ and the apostles. Let me quote a, uh, an author who speaks quite eloquently to this, a Merrill Unger. God graciously endowed the early church with special revelatory gifts of prophecy, tongues, and knowledge. These special temporary gifts met an urgent need. They were designed to tide the church through the period of partial piecemeal revelation until the complete and final thing would arrive. Now that the faith has been established, no such need exists and no such gifts abound. The 20th century church has an established gospel and a faith that has proved its power to save for 19 centuries. If somebody were to come down here and do a miracle of of, of healing, we have a couple of people right here right now that would love to have that miracle. They have cancer. If somebody could do that, would it add credibility to the reality of Christ? Maybe. Don't we know about the reality of Christ already? Do you remember the rich man that died? And he went to hell. And Lazarus, this beggar named Lazarus, not the one that Jesus raised from the dead, but he died and went to paradise. And the the rich man was down there going, Oh, let Lazarus come over and put one drop of water on my tongue. Oh, cool the flame. No, not going to happen. Then he said, well, if you can't help me out, could you send him back so that he will tell all of my brothers, don't come here. Now, frankly, if, uh, oh, Charles Haddon Spurgeon, great preacher of the last century, if he came up from the grave and came here and preached, you know, it would be a kind of a similar thing. Wow, here's a great preacher of the past. God raised him from the dead. Do you know what God said to that rich man? He said, look, I'm not going to send anybody back. They, they have Moses and the prophets. If they won't listen to them, they won't listen to one who comes back from the dead. If you're sitting here today saying, oh, yeah, if I saw a miracle, I'd believe. Don't raise your hand because I'll call you a liar. Because if you won't believe God's truth, that means, number one, you got a hard heart. And number two, God is leaving you in that hard heart at this point for some reason. God's truth is plain and clear. And if going to heaven when you die and escaping hell is not enough to get you to believe in Christ who died for your sins, who only asks you to believe, if that's not enough then you're just plain something. 
selfish, stupid, fill in the adjective, whatever you like. And I don't say that glibly. I'm just saying, man, if you, when I go to Costco, I can see a good deal. You know, or, or, or let's put it in terms of last night. When my son-in-law, Raul, goes to the Ace Hardware, he can see a good deal on a, on a space heater that's like seven feet tall. And he goes, Dad, you got to go down there and buy that space heater. I go, okay. And I go down there and I go, what in the world? How can I put that in my car? But boy, it was a good deal. If you can't see the good deal here, Either you haven't studied it enough, or your heart is really hard in sin. These miracles were real. They were exactly as God describes them, but they were for that formative period. Now, here's what I'm going to tell you as well. For those of you that are unconvinced, you come to my Sunday school class. Eh, It won't be for a month or two. I'll, I'll tell you when we're going to do it. And we'll delve into this in depth from the Scripture and I will help you to understand in much more depth what I've just said. But I'm not going to take time for it now. Because what I want to get onto now is, is the gifts that are permanent, that God is allowing us to have. And the first one of those is the gift of teaching. And if you would look down to uh, verse 28 of 1 Corinthians 12. And put this in your notes. We're not going to take time to look in, uh, maybe in detail at all the passages here. There are, three, there are three Bible passages that talk in detail about spiritual gifts. 1 Corinthians 12, Romans 12, and Ephesians 4. 1 Corinthians 12, Romans 12, and Ephesians 4. And you can read those, and I will make reference to them a little bit here. And we'll be looking at them more in the weeks to come. But in 1 Corinthians 12, 28... Paul comes down to a summary and he says, God has appointed these in the church, first apostles. Now that doesn't mean first in importance, that means the first gifts that were appointed for the church were the apostles. Second, prophets. Third, teachers. After that, miracles. Gifts of healing, helps, administrations, varieties of tongues. Even this passage itself points to the fact that teaching is more important than miracles. Expounding God's word is more important than doing a miracle. So he's given us apostles, prophets, teachers. The gift of teaching has to do with getting content across. There is a word in the New Testament that speaks about proclaiming, as in standing on the corner and and speaking out the truth, if you will. But this word teaching is about explaining and, and putting the pieces together. It's not just about standing up and talking, but it's about helping people learn. John MacArthur put it this way, the Christian who has the gift of teaching is divinely gifted with a special ability to interpret and present God's truth understandably. A verse like this talks about what teachers should do in the church. These things we speak not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. What that means is we take the verses of the Bible and we pull it together into a cohesive presentation. God willing, that's what happens here when I teach, and it it should be happening wherever those who are gifted in teaching teach. Next gift that I'd like to mention that is permanent is the gift of helps. Look in your list there. He talks about teachers, miracles, gifts of healing, helps. The gift of being a helper, to take the burden, the literal meaning of this word is to take the burden off of someone else and place it on yourself. 
This is a gift for service in the broadest sense of helping and supporting others in day-to-day, often unnoticed ways. Here's an example of that gift. The word minister is the same word help. Philippians 2.25, the Apostle Paul says, Yet I considered it necessary to send Epaphroditus to you, my brother, my fellow worker, my fellow soldier, but your messenger and the one who helped in my need. Epaphroditus carried an offering to Paul and ministered to him while he was in jail, and now Paul's sending him back to his home church. He was a helper. In particular, he carried the offering and traveled and, and did whatever Paul needed. Okay? I think sometimes we don't realize how spiritual what we're doing is. We think, oh, all, all I can do is sweep hay out of the parking lot. Well, no, wait a minute. You're part of the body. This is the body working together. If you're sweeping or you're preaching, we're all part of the body. The gift of helps. Next gift that I'll mention that's on this list right here is the gift of administrations. New King James translates it that way. It says, teachers, miracles, gifts of healing, helps, administration. This is the word where our word governor comes from. In the Greek, it's kubernesis, and it transliterates into Greek as gubernatorial, if you will, or governor. And it literally means to steer or to pilot, and it was used in ancient Greek as one who keeps a ship on course, the guy steering the ship to get it where it's supposed to go. This is a gift about leadership. Hebrews 13.7 says, Remember those who have the rule, the administration over you, who have spoken the word of God to you, whose faith follow, considering the outcome of their conduct. Obey those who rule over you and be submissive, for they watch your souls as those who must give an account. The gift of leadership. We have men and women in this church who give leadership. Kim gave great leadership to that event last night, as did a number of other people. There has to be an organizer. There has to be a person who says, here's the ship, and that's where we have to go. And I saw pieces of paper all over the uh, fellowship hall with lists of things that had to be accomplished, and, and there was plans and organization. That's what an administrator does. It's a spiritual gift. It's not the same as an office. See, I have, the, I have the office or the job of pastor. Do I have the gift of administration? That remains to be seen. I'm not that good of an organizer. and I can look out there and say, that's where we need to go. But I need other people to come along and say, we'll help get it there. And those people are leaders. God has enabled some people to give direction and coordination to the ministry of God. Now turn back a few pages to the book of Romans chapter 12, and let's follow the list of gifts there. Romans 12, verse 4. For as we have many members in one body, but not all the members have the same function, so we being many, verse 5, are one body, and individually we are connected to each other. Having then gifts, differing according to the grace that is given, let us use them. If prophecy, let us prophesy. I believe that's one of those gifts that is not present for us, because we don't need to prophesy. We have the word of God. But we go to verse 7, or ministry. Now, the word ministry is very similar 
to the idea of the gift of helps, but it's a different word, and it's actually the word we get our word deacon from, and it means to serve, and the root meaning is actually somebody who carries out somebody else's instructions. In other words, you have a leader who creates a plan, and you have many people who minister. That is, they take that plan and put feet on it and carry it out. The gift of ministry. This is the word that was used in Acts chapter 6. Now in those days, when the number of disciples was multiplying, there arose a complaint against the Hebrews by the Hellenists because their widows were neglected in the daily distribution of money, that is, social welfare. Then the twelve, the apostles, summoned the congregation of the disciples and said, It's not desirable that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Therefore, brethren, seek out from among you seven men of good reputation of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, whom we, whom we may appoint over this business. This shows us the leadership leading, those with the gift of leading, and of finding other people to say, now here is a task that you need to do in order for the body to work. And they picked that up and took it and ran with it. That is the gift of ministry. The next gift that's in this list is the gift of exhortation. Verse 7, or if ministry, use it in ministering, or he who teaches. We've already talked about the gift of teaching, so we'll skip that now to verse 8. He who exhorts in exhortation. Have you exhorted anybody lately? <laughs> that word gets used in a couple of ways that may be right or wrong, but it literally is its the word that's the name of the Holy Spirit, the one called alongside to help, the parakaleo. And so it's a broad word that means somebody who comes alongside of another person and helps them. Um, and, and it's used in the scripture to refer to kicking them in the seat and holding them up when they're struggling, and everything in between. It's whatever they need. Whatever they need. This is a verse that talks about exhorting. Let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. Last week, after we had those wonderful missionary presentations, and we saw that incredible video that Andrew made about, you know, if you've got to start somewhere, how about here? I stood up and exhorted you. I said, folks, it's time for you to do this business. Now, I don't know if I was acting out of a spiritual gift. I was doing the work of exhortation. But some people are especially gifted at coming along and saying, you know, brother, you know, sister, something you ought to think about, something you ought to stop thinking about, something you ought to do. Hey, you're having a hard time. Let me help you. Let me hold you up. All of that comes into this gift of exhortation. It's a little different from the mercy gift that we'll talk about in a minute. I think exhortation has more about kind of funneling people along toward the spiritual direction God wants them to go, whereas the mercy gift is just, just sort of holding them up in the time of struggle. Next gift on the list, gift of giving. Um, look down here, verse uh, 8, he who exhorts an exhortation, he who gives with liberality. I won't ask you to raise your hand and ask you if you have the gift of giving. I heard a fellow talking about it, and, and he said something really interesting. He said, if you have the gift of giving, you have the gift of getting. 
And he, he was talking about some folks that he was ministering to in his church, and they didn't quite fit into a ministry niche. They weren't teachers or leaders or whatever, but they went to dinner, and, and, and these people were all excited because they'd helped a seminary student go through seminary, pay his bill, whatever they'd done. There were several people like that that they had helped monetarily, and they were all excited about it. And this fellow says, the, the pastor says to him, how do you get your money? He said, well, I sell real estate. And, and he went to the real estate office, and he had a sign about this big that said real estate office. No advertising. And he said, people just walk in and say, do you sell real estate? And he said, yeah. Well, I'd like you to sell my house. And other people walk in saying, I need to buy a house. And you ask yourself, how does that happen? It's the miracle of getting along with the miracle of giving. And they were just thrilled to get money so they could give it away. Now, they weren't particularly poor. I don't think they were rich either. But they just had a real simple kind of faith that said, the Lord gives and I, and I give. The gift of giving. I don't know. Maybe you have the gift of giving. Some people have called, said the gift of giving is the ability to live on less and like it more. Because you're giving it away joyfully. See? Now, in all of these gifts, and I'll stress it here too so the offering doesn't go down next week. Are all Christians commanded to give? Yes. Okay. But there are some people who are especially gifted at it. Okay. And the same thing is true with exhortation. Are we all called, as we saw in that verse a minute ago, to provoke one another to love and good works? Yes, we are. But there are some people that are especially gifted at it. Um, in, in terms of giving, Ephesians 4 says, Let him who stole steal no longer, but rather let him labor working with his hands what is good so that he can have something to give to him who has need. Um, the, the next gift that's on the lift, the word here is the word leadership. Now, earlier the word administrations, we could use different words to identify, but there's two different words for leadership. And this word emphasizes the idea of being literally up front. It's, the, it's an upfront person, if you will. Um, the other one emphasized this idea of steering. I think they're both talking about similar parts of the body of Christ. They're both talking about leadership and administrating. And then the gift of mercy, a special ability to show empathy and sympathy for those in need. Where's Kathy Golay? If Kathy Golay doesn't have the gift of mercy, I'll buy you all dinner today. That's how certain I am about that. I mean, she just says, oh, can I help you out? Oh, what could I do for you? How could I, how could I serve you? That's why she's in the nursery, because she, she feels for the young parents with children. They need to be in church, and she's down there giving of herself. Um, she gets tired in the work, but does anybody have to drag her down there? No. Gift of mercy. Some of you have a gift of mercy. The gifted Christian who shows mercy is divinely endowed with special sensitivity to suffering and sorrow, with the ability to notice misery and distress that may go unnoticed by others, and with the desires and means to help alleviate such affliction. This gift involves much more than sympathetic feeling. It's feeling put into action. You know, I, I observed some ministry recently in our church, 
And I can't say in specifics, but I can just tell you this. Some people said, there's somebody who needs some mercy. They need some help. And they rose up and helped. And you know what the result was? It was a softening of that person's heart toward the Lord. Don't ever think that showing mercy is just helping somebody out physically. Oh, don't ever think that the gift of helps is just kind of doing something to lighten somebody's load. This is a spiritual endeavor. And God is going to use your gift, whatever it is, to accomplish spiritual ends. There's two more gifts. Mentioned in Ephesians 4, we won't take time to turn there, but we will in the weeks to come. The gift of evangelism. The unusually effective capacity to preach the gospel of salvation and to win the lost to Christ. The ability to connect. We're going to be talking more about that. And then the gift of pastor-teacher. The word pastor means shepherd, and, and the whole idea of a shepherd caring and protecting for the sheep and leading the flock. Uh, in 1 Timothy 5, it says, Let the elders, let the spiritually mature men who rule well, be counted of worthy of a double honor, especially those who labor in the word and in doctrine. Um, now, here's, here's the application point for you today. We're going to be talking more about these gifts in the weeks to come, but here's the thing I want you to understand. Spiritual gifts are a special responsibility. A special responsibility. As each one has received a gift, minister to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. A steward in the Bible was a person who was entrusted with somebody else's possession. If you are a manager at work, you are a steward. You don't own the business. Somebody else has said, you run this according to my dictates. You make money for me along this plan that I have set up. God says, look, I've given you a spiritual gift. You do possess it, but the goal is for you to use it now in a way that honors me. It is God's gift. You are the steward of it. And so in light of that, he says, now if you speak, if you have a speaking gift, a pastor teacher, a teacher gift, speak as the oracles of God. This word oracle is kind of an ancient Greek word where they talk about the gods talking. If God came today... And, and he, he literally whispered in your ear and he said, here's a message for First Baptist Church. Would you come puffing and panting? I got a message from God. I got a message from God. It's really important. God just told me. Yeah, I hope you would. Could I suggest to you that that's what God has done? And it's not only for the church, it's for the world. Speak as the oracles of God. If anybody ministers that gift of ministry or helps, do it as with the ability that God supplies. If God came down to hold you up in your time of difficulty, how would he do it? How strong would he be? He says, you go out and do your ministry in the way that God would do it. That in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom be the glory and the dominion forever. Let me suggest there are three ways that we, that we look at our gifts. Some people look at them and, and say they're trivial, and they're not trivial. You might think, well, I don't have the big special whatever, and so my gift is trivial. It's no big deal. It's nothing. 
That is not true. It's not true because God, God in His divine wisdom gave you whatever you have. And it's not something to be walked on. It's not something to be ignored. It's something to be celebrated. God has given you a gift. Some people look at them as trophies. In the Corinthian church, they went, I have the gift of prophecy. Well, that's nothing. I have the gift of speaking in tongues. And you people with helps, you're nothing. And that was their attitude. And that is upside down. This is not a personal trophy that God has given me or you. This is a privilege God has given us to minister to the body. And that's why we have got to say this is a treasure. This is the most incredible thing. God has given me a supernatural ability to serve him in the body of Christ. Wow. Would you think about this as we close today? The first time Christ came, he took on a human body. And he ministered to people, and he spoke the truth. And he left and created a new body. It's the body of Christ, and it's you, and it's me. He is the head, and we are the body. We are the incarnation of Christ in our time and in our place. Sue used to work at us in an office that handled the testing of students to admit them into the gifted program. And I'm here to tell you, the parents were more interested in the gifted program than the students were. No, 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 my kid's really gifted. We've got to take that test again. Or, 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 you know, uh. I want to say again as we close today, folks, you're all gifted. You are all in the gifted class. And I want to challenge you as these weeks go by and as you think about this to really get a hold of what God has put in you and just let it show more and more and more. Heavenly Father, thank you for gifting us. What a privilege is ours. What a blessing from you. Help us to walk in your power, to walk in your strength. Help our gifts to show, to function to accomplish your will in the world. I pray in Christ's name, amen.